Pete Yost here for the Unbuild It podcast. And hey, if you're attending the PCBC in Anaheim, you got to stop by the Huber booth. Of course, PCBC is the Pacific Coast Builders Conference down in sunny Southern California. It's a great conference, been there many times over the years. The Huber booth is number 213, 213. And uh, the famous or the world famous Prove It Tour trailer will be at the show. And Steve and I are presenting on Strategy to Process. That's You can't miss that. So join Huber for a happy hour the afternoon of Wednesday, May 24th at PCBC. It's going to be a great show, especially that happy hour at the Huber booth. I'm Jake Bruton, and welcome to the Unbuild It podcast. Thank you for listening today. Today, I am joined by my co-host, Peter Yost. Hi, Jake. And Steve Basic. Hello, Jake. And today we're going to start our conversation by saying, if you go back to the very beginning, March, April, somewhere in there, 2020, when the three of us started the podcast and we started kicking around ideas of what we were going to talk about on the podcast, we did a whole series, a four part series on the control layers. Mm. We started this just as the pandemic was cracked. I believe so. Man, Man, I didn't remember that. I could have the date wrong. It could have been last year. I'm not sure. I'm well, I remember dates. we started remotely. We didn't. We, we weren't together. We just did <laughs> Zoom, right? It's yeah. over yep. a year. Oh, it's we're over a year. It was 2020. Yeah. So let's let's just talk very briefly for those of you who have not gone back and listened to those podcasts and who weren't with us at the beginning. Control layer number one, and we and we always. You'll get the chance to answer. Put your hand oh. down. Uh, and we will. We always talk about them in order of importance. At least we do. Most of most of our industry does. There's yeah. a reason. It makes it easier to, to really apply that hierarchy. What is number one and why? And now we're calling on Steve. Sorry. Uh, oh, water. Why? Uh, uh, actually, the, the correct answer is water. Bulk water? <laughs> Bulk water. Bulk water is what you meant to say. Yes, yes. That, that is. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, people. And why Why is it the? Why is it number one on our list? The number one killer of buildings. Because it is the thing that destroys our buildings the most. I agree. I feel like I'm at a judicial review here. Yeah. Yeah. I can neither confirm nor deny. Uh, okay. And, and I am completely in agreement with you there. Right. Although no. I didn't actively participate... <laughs> At that moment when it was defined, but that is what I believe to be true. Uh, Peter, double or nothing, do you want to take what number two would be? I'm terrified that I'm testifying as opposed to (laughs) podcasting, but I believe that back in 2020, we decided the second most important was the air control layer. And why? Yes, that would be correct, Peter. (laughs) Because it's the second way that we can move water. Not quite as much as we can with bulk, but whenever we're moving air, we're moving water. So it's the double penalty of the energy loss associated with that airflow, as well as the the potential for condensation. Okay. And I'm not condescending. I'm talking about condes. Con, you know what I'm and saying. And so we can make uh, we could probably make an argument that it is like the single largest thing when it comes to efficiency of buildings. The host has three more minutes because if. <laughs> I'd like to, to seed my time. To seed. To, okay. Uh, because it, you could build a two foot thick wall, fill it full of incredible insulation and then leave the window open. And now you have air leakage and the temperature inside the room is going to be what the temperature is outside very quickly. 
So that's what air Hard leakage is. It's leaving little tiny windows open or medium-sized windows open all over If the, the gentleman with the TW Perry shirt will refrain from talking <laughs> when the host is talking, we'd appreciate it, please. And so that's number one and number two. There are four. The other two are vapor and thermal. That would be correct. That would be correct. And so which one of those is supposed to come next? Traditionally, we put vapor, even though it's not just about control air, it's of the profile, but that would be the complete profile of the wall or the assembly as opposed to just the single layer. But we put that uh, third ranked and to the surprise of most people before thermal. Okay. And so whenever we talk about, I'm looking at you, Steve, whenever we talk about thermal being number four, we almost kind of glaze over it and we just say, whatever's left in the budget, let's use up on, yes, that on, is correct. on insulation. So now we have water, water transported by air and energy transported by air or heat transported by air. Potentially we could say uh, vapor, which is air form water on some level. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, and then we have uh, thermal resistance. So my question to you, <clears throat> when we start talking about water and you and I both, Steve, have the same perspective on this, like the, why the hell are we talking about vapor so much? If we generate a really good bulk water control layer and we generate a really good air control layer and we do a really good job of proportionally scaling our insulation layer and we have a competent mechanical system, which I think it's fair to say if you're building a building correctly, we do. We have a competent HVAC system. I believe that to be correct. Why would vapor not be number four? So my, my whole cross-examination here is I think that I'm prepared to take the position that the four control layer order should be water, air, thermal, and then vapor with the asterisks of if you're building a, a house today, the mechanical system should be. Are you be. suggesting that we put this to a vote? Boy. I'm not ready to vote I yet. think that depends think, on who we're going to allow I think we vote. should really mess with the whole building industry and move vapor to number five, still only have four control layers, but move it to number five and just put not used in parentheses in the number three like slot. Placeholder. Uh, just the number three slot, like not used. So it's a good way to screw with people. The high school that my wife used to teach at, they had senior pranks every year. And one year they convinced one of the uh, teachers to let them into the building overnight. And they released goats, number one, three, and four into the building like they made a thing that velcroed around the goat that had a number on it and there was a goat with a number one a goat with a number three and a goat with a number four so charlie the janitor so was like where the hell is number two <laughs> they spent a day looking for goat number two that is really clever it is genius i whoever whatever high schooler thought it up yeah so tell me why i'm wrong or am i wrong well i think the problem here is that we really should not be giving the rank to vapor of three as a control layer. 
It's not about managing how buildings get wet by vapor. It's about making sure that there's drying potential built in. So this gets back to Steve's point, which is we're not worried about vapor pressure or how vapor moves for getting the building wet. That is a really low priority. We're worried about the building can get wet in you know three or four different ways. But if the water gets inside an assembly, there's only one way it can dry, and that's by... Uh, a diffusion gradient that moves that moisture out. It's going to have to evaporate. I would go out on a limb and say that the number three control layer is there to solve failures in number one. Or number two. And or number two. Oh, interesting. So that's what I'm saying. We don't get water vapor unless you have air moving through the wall that's carrying moisture-laden air with it, or moisture-laden air, or... Uh, we have a failure in our thermal layer. Like, let's talk about perfect wall for a second. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do we call that Steebrick's perfect wall? Do we call that Building Science Corp's perfect wall? I think that's kind of one in the same in our industry. For I would the most call part. them one in the same. Okay. So, d- walk us through what the perfect wall assembly is in there. In, the, in that, since you, I defer to Peter. <laughs> Uh, he's testifying now. You, you're not willing to elaborate. This is not going to be used testing. against you at no. some point. I'm just having fun keeping ducking down to the microphone. Okay. The, the perfect building assembly is one in which you put the continuous insulation and air seal on the outside of the building and resist the temptation to fill cavities with insulation because that leads to temperature change across the assembly, which is always a recipe for condensation. Um, and the other thing about the perfect uh, building assembly is the air barrier on the outside or in the mid wall. Yeah. I don't think it really matters where that air control layer is. I always thought of the perfect wall as the extension of the persist system. Where all of the insulation is on the exterior Uh, of the building. So that you have some type of cavity, then you have the air barrier slash could be the water barrier, then more insulation and then kind of you finish the wall cosmetically. Yeah. The curious thing is that I think part of the name of perfect building assembly or the most common would be the wall is that you can build it in any climate and it performs per, it performs optimally. And, and it's the only configuration that you can take from climate to climate and you get Excellent results. You'd probably just end up decreasing the amount of insulation on both yeah. sides of for the sure. barrier. How much insulation, and but the key thing is that it all be to the outside. No locations and It doesn't change. have to be a cavity. You know, in fact, right. I heard Joe argue or, or discuss with several building scientists, like, if we could just build all walls out of masonry, you know, the, the structural part of the wall, you're forced to put all the insulation on the outside. So you have a... High higher capacity right. doesn't care about water to the interior, and you 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 can't. It's not that you resist the temptation to insulate the cavity. You can't. But so, didn't you just didn't you just describe like most European wall systems? Absolutely, right. Yeah. There's some kind yeah. of terracotta block or something that they lay up, and then they put six or eight inches of EPS on the outside of that, and then. And the idea is, if you warm your assembly. So that these conditions similar to the people inside it, it'll last forever. So in, in other words, 
My building frame is no different than the dining room table. It is completely on board of the insulation. It is completely in the conditioned space. Correct. And therefore, it cannot get cold enough to condense. So now vapor is not an issue with that wall. And it doesn't matter which way the <clears throat> diffusion gradient is running. It, it's still, the, the assembly is not going to care whether the pressure is coming, the vapor pressure is coming from the outside of the building during the summer or from the inside of the building during the winter. It, it performs perfectly in all conditions. All conditions, all climates. That's the cool thing. I've kind of often viewed the perfect wall as what you might consider the protected wall. Like the air barrier Absolutely. and weather-resistant barrier is embedded somewhere in the middle of the wall. So it has ultimate protection. So, Jake, I have to admit that when you started to get all wonky about the prioritization order, I thought, I'm going to really struggle with this. But here's a new thought about how to rank these systems. I think that we need a new category of control, which is occupants. So there's the water control layer. There's the air control layer. There's the vaping drying, the vapor drying potential. Vaping. There's the thermal control layer. And then there's the occupant control layer. Which is the me saying mechanicals as well. I mean, it's the same thing, right? Well, the mechanical is going to deal with the load that the, the occupant puts on the building is my thought. Well, if if the it, I guess what I'm saying is sort of like along the lines of how Joe thinks about buildings, if we could just keep those people out of it, we could eliminate a whole problem and okay. a load. And so it, it, it's cool that when we get done with the building science that relates to the enclosure, we still have to deal with the fact that despite our best efforts, if you don't educate the occupants about how important it is to manage moisture, a lot of your work is going to be defeated. Real quick aside, the idea of we could just keep occupants out of the building, we would be able to manage all this much easier. One of the things that I always think is if I didn't have employees or clients, I would have the best <laughs> job in the history of the world. That's it. That's a, he needs a business control layer. And I also overeducated my wife about where our optimal operating you know, temperature and humidity is for the home. This is the range for health for both us and the the building. And when we first moved into our home, we were still getting a little bit high. You know, we were floating around that 60 mark, you know, high 50s, high 60 RH. And uh, one of the things that I did was just raise the temperature two degrees in the house while she wasn't home. And then therefore the relative, <laughs> the relative humidity look, Lou Herrington would love this story. <laughs> Lou Herrin is a building scientist who argues strenuously we should never be thinking in terms of relative humidity, always in terms of dew point. So Nathan has a take on that too, doesn't he? Oh, Nathan, Nathan doesn't use the word in, relative humidity. He right? does, and he, he thinks in dew points. So I, we, we just had lunch with Lou Herrin the other day, just as a quick aside. And uh, I said, I didn't get an invite. <laughs> I, Lou, neither did I. Lou, I have a really hard time thinking in terms of dew point. Why can't I think in grains per Grains of water per pound of dry air. And he, he got really excited. And he said, yes, it is the easiest way to think. But dew point is about what happens at the surface. That's why you have to think about dew point, Peter. Who cares about the grains of water per pound of dry air? What we need to do is sort of focus on what happens at the surface, which is fascinating to me. But It's interesting that we asked the industry to think about concepts like a kickout flashing or proper flashing. And now you're suggesting that we think about um, 
humidity in grains of water per pound or, or whatever. I don't even know what the hell you just said, but whatever. Um, grains of water. Yeah, let's. Uh, we're going to strike that from the record. <laughs> You're doing a good job the, of carrying this witness protection program right today's, to the end. Today's odd pop quiz. Uh, do you know how many grains of water there are in a pound of water? Uh, 72.6843. Nope. <laughs> it's roughly 7,000, right? 7, it's right at 7,000. Which means in a pint, there are 7,000 parts. Uh, the committee would like to thank you for that useless information. I wouldn't say it's useless. <laughs> uh, Peter, can you quote the uh, how much moisture moves through uh, drywall under regular sealed conditions versus the one inch hole over a season? Well, this is a little thought experiment that, that Joe did. And he basically said, if you pick like a Chicago climate, you pick take the average temperature over a three month period and you look at the relative humidity difference, you would get like, I think it's um, one pint of water through the wall during those three months, making it through that four by eight sheet of drywall. And if you cut a one inch hole in it, you could move like 90 pints of water through that in the same time. I remember period. it as an order of magnitude. Yeah. So basically. essentially, um, although that would be two, two orders of magnitude, two times a hundred almost. So in other words, air transported, ported moisture is order of magnitude more damaging than vapor transported. Yeah. We just, we have, everybody thinks that you can get buildings into trouble with just like <coughs> diffusive air movement and it's just not the case. It's, it's air leakage that we really need to worry about, of course. Okay. So I'm sitting with. Two guys that spent more than a decade each at BSC. Is that correct? Or you weren't quite there a year? I was there for 10 years. Four and a half years. Okay. That would be about correct. Okay. And so uh, in that time, how many vapor damaged buildings did you investigate that had nothing to do with bulk water? That that had nothing to do with starting in bulk water? Well, an awful lot of the buildings were both, well, were bulk and or air leakage. But I think you're asking how many were diffusion related. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. N- not one for me. At a company where what percentage of your work was building failure investigations? Well, mine was not very yeah. high. Sorry. There there was one. I don't know how you would label the um, cause, but what it was, was a development of houses for a certain group of people that they, I believe they were SIP paneled walls. And the issue was that because of the size of the house relative to the occupant load, which was relatively high, usually about somewhere around five or six people per like 1200 square foot unit, um, that they were getting mold issues and condensation and stuff. And they did a lot of like ethnic cooking and stuff. So it was there, there was a lot of reasons that there were high level levels of moisture in these small units and they were having major mold problems. So is that a mechanical failure? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's not quite a a vapor problem, but it was a condensation issue, mold growth, water activity problem that was induced as a, a vapor initial vapor form 
So the other just trying thing to make is, sure that we support my argument. That's all. I, I I agree because I would ask that question: How many houses have we ever seen that had a true vapor problem? And it's interesting because in order for that to happen, for it to be just related to vapor, that building would have to have a perfect air barrier, right? And that's just not what happens. I mean, you can have something that was severely aggravated by the diffusive forces because the concentration of water inside the building was so high, but you're never going to get a building where that's the only problem. It's going to have bulk water leaks and or air leaks. I Um, I think the committee is um, uh, uh, going to admit that vapor is not a sole problem to buildings. Joe's big exception would be unless it's an indoor swimming pool and or ice and ice rink, you know, they have, they have vapor pressure differences where it, 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 you know, can be a dominant force, but not in I want to say, buildings. I can't remember the story, but um, I remember him telling me it. And I can't remember the whole story, but um, Gus Handegord, that was like one of his major. Hold on. Of all the names that come up, Lou Harriman, Joe, John Straub, you probably should stop and explain who Gus Handegord so was. So Gus Handegord is pretty much Joe's probably number one mentor. I mean, he spent a lot of time with John Timmis only because he was, um, I think, uh, the guy in charge of his PhD or whatever. Right, right. Um, but Gus was probably like the one person that when Joe looked up the mountain, Gus was probably at the top of it. I think and that's uh, and what say. is the uh, Henry uh, that he wrote the book with? Neil Hutchins. Is it Neil yes, Hutchins? Yes, it's Hanna Gordon Hutchins, wasn't it? Yep, I believe okay. so. That's uh, Building Science for I was coming up climate with Henry Guilford in my head No, Henry Guilford is the plumber Gifford. extraordinaire in okay. New York City with, what's okay. her name, the architect. Okay. Christine Benedict. Christine Benedict. But okay. that's Gifford. Gifford. Yeah, Henry Gifford. Yeah. And, and, the, and the title of that book? It's uh, Building Science for Cold Climates or Northern Climates. One of those. It's it is a real yawner. 50s or <laughs> yeah. 60s? I want to say it was a little later. It like might even be the seventies. The covers, oh. the cover makes it look like it. Was I thought in the it 70s. was older, but I think they <laughs> wrote it for years, and they finally published it in the early seventies. But I just, I just remember sitting there and Gus saying something like, "I remember, yeah, the the building investigation that really kind of turned it around for me was when we investigated this ice rink and blah blah blah, and we pulled down the insulation and it was sopping wet and." The conclusion was to insulate on top of the roof or something, but that I just remember, like I can picture him telling me that story, hmm. but I don't remember the facts. So, um, yes, I'm I'm not really prepared to give you any. So you've gone here. from giving testimony under oath to incomplete this is, recollections. Uh, this, th- I will. I'm willing to admit that this is hearsay. <laughs> that was him wandering in the dark at night without a flashlight. <laughs> So I think where we ended up on this, Wait, we, I want to, I want to vote. I would like the committee to vote upon this. Are uh, we voting? I'm not, prepared adding, to take a vote. I'm not prepared to make a vote at this time. Are, are we adding an occupant control layer? Is that the vote? Or are we reordering the existing ones? I think for starters, the, the committee's priority here is just to reorder uh, the control layers. Uh, I'll chairman, concede, the I'll concede like to, to the man with the T.W. Perry jacket. I think I'll, our I'll problem along. lies in that we we got sort of sucked into thinking of vapor 
as a control layer, and that's it's not it's the not, same. I, I can't tell you what I'm prepared to do. You have to continuously think about, uh, sir. If you can, um, please refrain and give me my time. Thank you. Um, I think what I'm prepared to do is suggest that the most important are one and two. The order of three and four, really, I don't give a hoot. Can I uh, elaborate yes. on yes. that? Uh, yes, please elaborate. Frankie. Thank you. I think it's important to think of the priority of water first, air second, and thermal last of those three. Where we're going to have trouble is what do we do with this one that's not really a control layer? So I think what we should say is, yes, we need to have these three control layers and they have to be in this order because they're all similar. They need to be continuous. Okay, you know, you on. just, you just like, a, this is somewhat of a revelation because when you said it's not really a control layer, I think the industry's problem with vapor being the big old bad monster mm -hmm. is the minute I put up a detail or we do something, the first question is, where's, where's the, the vapor barrier? Yeah. Uh, and so the vapor barrier suggests some level of ultimate control. And because we perceive it as a level of control, then it's being placed in the control layers. If we never really let vapor be part of the control layers, we wouldn't have this perception of fear. Okay. So then nice. is the, are you putting forth a motion that the control layers should be water, air, and thermal? And there's just three? Is that what you're saying? Because the vapor control layer then is a water control layer. Okay, but, well, no, this committee's not prepared to do that. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Um, the reason is because there is some level of vapor control. If I if I suggested, and, and, and I will put you on the spot here, um, Mr. Chairman, as we did the Hilltop Arrow House, one of the things that we did was to put Sega Myrex at the ceiling level to restrict the amount of moisture migrating into that vented roof system. So we did place a level of concern on how much vapor we control and allow into that assembly. So to totally write it out of the control layers, I don't think makes sense because there are times where we're not creating a barrier but we are restricting the flow in one of the directions while optimizing flow in the reverse direction when we use something like Intello or Myrex. So now we've introduced the issue of climate differences. And that's for me, that argues even more strongly that it's got to be just the three control layers because you need those three control layers across all climates. The, the need for a, a dedicated interior vapor retarder is climate dependent. Well, there is that if you do control the thermal control layer, then vapor should never be a problem as long as it maintains the vapor format. So my understanding correctly that the representative from New Hampshire and the representative from Massachusetts are agreeing on the topic? Mm, I don't know if I can go that far. I'll have to consult with my <laughs> constituents. I, the, the representative from Massachusetts is finding it hard to understand whether um, you're asking me that if I agree with the committee or the gentleman from New Hampshire. The gentleman from New Hampshire's position. <laughs> what a ridiculous route this took. 
We, I would like to acknowledge. I would like to acknowledge to our <laughs> listeners that we understand how stupid this got from the that perspective. But the the argument is still valid. That I think we made a lot of really good valid. arguments in understanding in that the the relevance of vapor. That while I don't think we can totally discard it, but I think we can heavily discount it. I think part of the difficulty with thinking of vapor as a control layer is it's. It's about drying potential, not wetting, and you can only address drying potential with looking at many layers or all the layers. We're not going to be able to manage vapor for drying potential in one layer. It's got to be about all the layers. And so that's where, for me, it breaks down um, vapor as a... Because all of these are a vapor control layer. Yes. Yes. That's That's the problem here. And, and it maybe doesn't, that's it, the reason and for it the doesn't confusion. matter what the climate is. You still should be specking your wall system or any of your assemblies for drying potential. So that's the other thing that's neat to it about, about me is we worry about uh, wetting in vapor form in very extreme climates. Do you think it would be make sense if we changed it from vapor control air to a, to a condensation control air? But see, that's no, the thermal. Vapor but, and other yeah, but, but thermal <clears throat> is more about controlling the amount of energy that moves across the wall in terms of energy efficiency. The condensation control layer would be a vapor control layer that is battling the number one concern, condensation. Yeah, but that's not what the, the vapor profile is not about wetting. It's about drying potential. Okay, note to self, let's not bring you along for future conversations. <laughs> That's not the first time I've been told that, 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 that I should bug out on the conversation. Well, have, have either of you guys ever had acupuncture? No. I, ha- I have had what's called dry needling with that's uh, a, sex a physical. Thing. That's a totally different thing. Yeah. He didn't know what you're yeah. talking See, about. As soon as that entered <laughs> my mind, I thought Jake's going to turn this. Anyways, totally- I, I don't like them. I find them to be a bunch of backstabbers. <laughs> okay. And so with that, we are definitely wrapping up this yep. topic. So here's, I think here's the important takeaway. Steven Peter, don't agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Of course, I know that's not that simple. I don't think we reached any sort of consensus, but I do think that I am going to start writing the control layers in a different order. And we'll see what happens, even if it just opens a conversation. I think it's important for us to continue to argue about silly stuff like this that may or may not matter in the grand scheme of things. Uh, But I can't wait to have a Heineken and an old fashioned with you two later and see where we wind up on this. You're going to try to loosen our controls to have a conversation. Don't say it like that after we made a sex joke. Or I made a sex joke, I guess, technically. He's dry needling me again. (laughs) Just for the record, I'm going to refrain from any sexual activity with either of you. (laughs) I think. We both thank you for that. (laughs) Well, then that makes my joke not worth it. This just went from a safe place to, (laughs) let me out of here. (laughs) My joke was going to be about making statements that I wasn't prepared to stand behind. On that note, thank you for listening today. If you're watching on YouTube, smash that subscribe button, smash that like button, as Steve likes to say. Uh, Shoot us an email. 
If you agree with me, if you disagree with me, if you think we're missing the point, if you think we're headed down the wrong argument, let us know. Tell us. That's why we have the email set up. And we will hold uh, Steve completely responsible. So I think this committee is prepared to suggest that the questions... Um, email at questions at the unbuilded podcast is not only for questions it's for discussion points it could be for comments as well yes thank you you're here thank you gentlemen thank you for joining me today Alviter saying goodbye (laughs) have a good day